Welcome to NeuroNoodle's Neurofeedback and Neuropsychology Podcast, featuring tech legend Jake Gunkelman. He's the man who has read well over half a million brain scans, and Dr. Marie Swingle, author of iMinds. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Good morning, sir. And John, John, John. How are you? Recovering from Sweden, Tucson City. Exactly. Oh my God. Hello. Hey, Mari. How are you? I am pretty good. Yourself? I'm good. Yeah. I don't, Same I don't know. Pete in recovery. Yeah. I, I don't the know. Brain Pete. explosion. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's partly why. That's partly why. You know. That's one of the reasons I was like, do I really want to go? Let me, Tara, Tara can go. Her head can absorb all of this. Hey, listen, because you're recording, Pete, so I'll give you that, you know, the lead in here because I'm going to ask Mari about porn. <laughs> so I'm not sure if this is something you want to broadcast or put it on pause, but what did but that why mean? why not? Well, I, well, what did that mean? <laughs> no, we, we did, I, I think, a, uh, a really good show. Mm, getting, in, I'm going to do some puns here, you know, so... Okay. Wait movie. a minute. What happened to your beard? <laughs> oh. Who's this youngster? This is one of the few times a year I, I get to feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this tyke? This toddler? Who's this toddler, nice? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I got some look coffee. Up, Jay. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, no, I think we did a, a show that was long, long overdue, just getting really direct into something that's not only on, on everybody's minds, but, you know, the just the uh, complete proliferation in, in terms of the use of uh, pornography. Um, oh, okay. and when we were at the, the summit, I would say in terms of almost everybody that came up to me and predominantly female, we're very, very thankful for that. Um, so yeah I don't know whether we we want to make more space for that it's it's not just um you know no pun intended a sexy topic um it, it's something very relevant in our world you know no. in terms of a pair the the failure thereof yeah. no, I, I went a different I brought, way I brought my naked fish <laughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, I went a different way. I got to circle back to your naked face in a second, Jay, but I went a different way with it in, <laughs> oddly because I've literally had clients ask me yeah. if they could watch porn during neurofeedback. Uh, ostensibly, they're yes, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, you get. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to loop that into, you know, a comment I've made for training with children. Um, you know, when um, uh, I don't want to get on another one of my horses. Oh, what the heck? I'll get on another, on another one of my high horses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, essentially, if the feedback is too stimulating, um, yeah. you get really, really good in session data, but it doesn't translate to the rest of life. I mean, school right. is boring. And if you're training the brain to respond to things that are exciting, it it doesn't work you know right. in, in school um so i mean i find it rather amusing that a client is asking that but the fact that the client is asking that i think we need to address first that, that tells that, you a little something <laughs> about the client yep yep um, yeah in, in fairness uh i've had it like three times and yeah. it's they've all been male <laughs> so really? yeah I'm not, I'm not sure what that means sociologically but there it is i, I certainly yeah. no i'm with you this we don't have horror film we don't have a, you know our our video presentation stuff is pretty mild for that yeah. reason you know it's just like documentaries and whales and you know it's this isn't supposed to be some exciting adventure this isn't going to the movies to watch a film you're not here yeah. to watch movies yeah Yes, we're luring you in with watching movies, but that's not the that's not the purpose. Yeah. There's no popcorn, you know, et cetera. So there, there's reasons yeah. around that. So yeah, we try to avoid that really overstimulating stuff. Having said that, of course, I have Alien because everybody should watch Alien. It's just one of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> well, I mean, what what you do to help hook a client's brain 
Uh, and I mean that in a positive way, you know, can be very, that's, that can be part of the training as well. You kind of start with what you've got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think this is a, a message that we need to proliferate in terms of the success of neurotherapy. If your neurotherapy is failing in the real world, but your data looks really good, look at how stimulating. Yeah. So Jay, your naked face. <laughs> We should touch on that because it's really important. It's important for for viewers to know why Jay has a naked face. It's a it's a fundraiser for students who uh, we need to encourage to be in this industry. I'll let let you launch and talk about how, any, to, how anybody who's watching could get involved. By the way, I have to say that it's not because I missed shaving. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you, you missed you missed badly if this is the result <laughs> um, uh, after it had been shaved off with the razor at the evening event the next morning i did a clean shave just to get everything kind of equal level of stubble and i had some long hairs down on my neck that they hadn't gotten quite down uh, there with the shaver so i got myself cleaned up but what happened is what happens periodically with me uh, I, I do stupid, crazy stuff in order to raise money for students. And when I was in grade school, we we all had to read a book, uh, well, a few books, a, a list of books in the summer. And if all of us had our parents check off that we had read these books, then the principal would dress in a dress and dance on the school roof. Well, everybody is going to read a few books just to make this crazy act happened. So I took up on that and I'm not going to get an address on a roof. So, um, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking about it now. That sounds pretty no good. Possibility if there's a way to raise money with it, but I, it didn't come to me that way. I thought, well, actually, it should you be Pete. I, I think we should see Pete on a roof in a dress. Now that wow. <laughs> I don't think you could do no, that I, anymore. <laughs> but if I could, it would be a I movie. Mean, I could do it, but that's pro forma, you know. Be, uh, the, the Tent and Awning Company has you covered. Oh, 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 <laughs> brothers. Um, so I, I was at a California Society meeting many years ago now, and um, the, the idea just popped up. You know, auction off the beard, and and um, I raised a couple thousand dollars, a, a few hundred dollars from one person, or five hundred from another, and you know, they raised up two thousand dollars. And I thought, well, you know, for two thousand dollars, have at it. So they they shaved me clean. Now at the time, I should have had a, a an inkling of what might come in the future because Nick Dobras had left a little Hitler mustache, but my business partner Ali took care of that as the final shaver. So, uh, uh, but $2,000 and one of the UCLA researchers who was a, a keynote address at the meeting said, you know, I will never, ever forget a meeting that somebody got shaved at because that, that's just, you know, it's, it stands out. This is, this is unique. And, um, and I, you know, um, Cynthia Kirsten said, I don't ever want to see you with a beard on you again. I think it's awful. <laughs> and I think, well. What about operant conditioning? Don't you understand? You just paid me to grow a beard to donate. So it's coming back. <laughs> and uh, over the years, uh, I think the high watermark was at uh, an APB meeting where uh, Nick Dogras wanted at the, at the mustache thing again. I know it. And uh, he put down a couple thousand dollars. Uh, but the they... There were two teams, John LeMay's team and his team. And whether you won or not, all the money that you raised went in. So uh, $7,000 there. Uh, 5000 once in Australia. They sold the beard. I don't count that. Uh, but they sold the beard the next year, put pasted in a, a wig head that we used to measure for electrodes uh, for 500 bucks. DNA, Jay. You better be careful here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now, I, I hear uh, that, that Nikki Whitridge uh, has what was left uh, all packaged up, and there may be uh, uh, an auction of that. 
at, uh, to, in order to raise more money. We're, so we are it's not a, rumor. a weird I, I, at all. Not, no, not at all. Not, not, <laughs> yeah. not at all. We're, we're into straightforward grain <laughs> regulation. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, total, total across the years, $21,265. That's uh, fantastic. For, for the, the, the beard being auctioned off. So, and this uh, money, just for the for the audience who doesn't know, Jay, where does this money go? Well, uh, there are a number of foundations that have received uh, funds. The right now we we just uh, gave four thousand two hundred and sixty five dollars, which is what was raised this time, to the QEG certification board, and they'll put it out uh, for researchers or students uh, in some fashion, and um, and the researchers have to be. Student researchers, not uh, you know, I, not one of us, you know. Right, right. Although, although I could go to school, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Get some um, of the money back. No, yeah. it, no it's it's I great, Jay, and, and I, I admire you for it. You know, people. Uh, I've I've always said, now nah, I'm not shaving this off. I'm giving it some thought. I I hear you because this is such an important element of our industry that young people be encouraged to go into neuroscience, to go into QEG analysis, or you know whatever the aspects are. Yeah. Um, they're the future. You yeah. know, not that any of us are going to die anytime soon. I plan on living to be 150, but uh, you know, they are the next generation of people who are going to carry this torch forward. And the yeah. more we can encourage them to be in it financially, obviously it's an expensive industry to be in, yeah. uh, the better. So yeah. it's crucial. But on that note, I, I can't say many of us noted this. I mean, I kind of laugh. I'm in my, you know, mid fifties and I'm, you know, the, the I, I was the younger uh, generation, but I was absolutely overjoyed uh, to see the next generation come up. And sure, they're students, um, but these were knowledgeable people, okay? They weren't just on the sidelines. So I just felt like I, I took a, a beautiful, I'm not yeah. going to say sigh of relief, but it, it warmed my heart to see the enthusiasm and the active as opposed to just passive intelligence. So that was fabulous to see. There yeah. were... Uh... Saybrook has a, a mind-body medicine kind of a branch of their university, mm -hmm. uh, and six of the students who do that uh, were at our event. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Sisun Summit was, I think, uh, uh, quite a good success. Uh, I heard that the live stream that went out was of extremely high quality. The yeah. audio was good. Uh, the, the PowerPoints... Uh, that they would toggle between the PowerPoint and the speaker, sometimes the PowerPoint and the speaker, a uh, little, uh, you know, the cartoon with the three, three amigos on the bottom. Uh, it, but it, 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 uh, it was very well done. And um, I, I, I think that those recordings will eventually also be uh, marketed out because it, I don't know if you've ever caught Dirk DeRitter's talk. Um, but one of the doctors at the meeting said, this is the third time that I've caught his talk and I think I'm starting to get it. <laughs> and, uh, well, one thing is the speech not... rate, but the content, just the yeah, yeah, yeah. content. Yeah. He, he, he yeah. builds it so, uh, systematically and so, so, uh, absolutely logically. And he starts actually way back with, with, the uh, philosophers and, Greece and earlier, and uh, um, it, it, it builds the model in a in an absolutely uh, solid way. But that's why he's published in science. You know, I mean, you don't get published in science by writing something on the back of a napkin and sending it in. You know, his his, his work is always impeccable and and, and extremely uh, well well documented and well done. Uh, he's never had to retract this study. That's for damn sure. Um, but it, it, uh, getting his so you can play it and stop it and back it up and go, uh, you know, let's refocus on that and see how that fits in. But his his talk is worth that. And the the depth of Martin's talk, I think, also is worth the recording. And, you know, I think 300 and something dollars for three full days of recording um, you know, they've got me for an hour and a half or so uh, that, you know, all the keynotes had a full hour and a half. So it's their major talks. And um, I, I, 
yeah, I, I would suggest that people look at the uh, content there as uh, a recording is probably a better way to catch some of the really meaty, dense material uh, the second and third time through. Uh, the stratification and, and logic of how to, how to treat in psychiatry that Martin has pieced together using biomarkers. Uh, he dedicated his talk to, to me. His first biomarker is the slow alpha we identified in or the first study we did together, and that's, that's held through all of his, his work. But he's, um, he, he literally has a, 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 a kind of a flow, stratified uh, decision tree flowchart on, on psychiatric medication selection and, uh, and, and treatment. So I would, um, I, w I would suggest his is also one worth it. Now his, his is going to be uh, published in uh, uh, Nature Clinical Practice or uh, 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 the, I don't know. There's a bunch of different natures. Um, anyway, his his material is uh, also, I think, uh, well worth the recording. It's starting to grow, Jay, isn't it? Because. Uh... The newspapers are well, not your beard, uh, <laughs> but no, the newspapers are picking up on it. The uh, Woodstock for neuroscience, uh, Sioux Sun City. <laughs> you know, I'll, put uh, the, I'll put it right here. The word uh, the word got out here locally, and the newspaper called and did a brief interview, and they sent somebody over and took a. I stepped outside the front door, turned my head to the side, go boom! They took a shot, and that's on the. Above the fold on the front page of the local newspaper. In uh, color, uh, by the way. Yeah, color. In, in, in color. Uh, and, and I blush when I get photos, so I'm a little red. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and for behind yeah. the scenes, we, we posted today, what you're buying is, in, yes, it's the presentations. Yes, it's the keynote speakers, but it's the networking. And you can kind of yeah. get an idea of what the networking is like when you see Jay, Mari, Tara from uh, the Bell's Brain, uh, everybody getting together and, you know, having a couple beverages and, and, and talking neuro. So yeah. it's a great time. It's well, I think we have, we have a three-day meeting that ends up being very um, free of uh, uh, camps fighting against each other and arguing. Uh, there, there's a lot of discussion, uh, a lively discussion, but there's no uh, animosity uh, it's a, a very friendly group, and uh, you, you know uh, uh, anybody who misbehaves, we have them walk the plank. <laughs> no, I'm going to that because I think one of the um, you know a, an internal critique that we need to listen to is about the confrontation, um, and I I think that really really good debate advances the practice advances the discipline, but conflict does not. And one of the things I always say is we need to uh, differentiate rather than divide. And one of the things, and, and I, I thank you all for the platform here. I mean, one of the, I think one of the key purposes of, of, of my being on the show is to differentiate uh, between essentially wellness spas and wellness products and, you know, products that uh, are putting, or, or equipment, I should say, um, uh, that that's really putting the research in, getting the FDA uh, stamp of approval or the Canadian equivalency or doing their darnest to get there. Um, we need to differentiate. There's a place for everybody as long as we clearly state who and what we are, what we're doing and what we're doing it with. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot of conversations regarding organ organizing ourselves and we're still working on it. It's almost like I had the same conversation last year, you know, this year. So I'm tired of complaining. I got to do something, John. So I'm, I'm going to try to get everybody together, herd the cats, and uh, see yeah, if to, we can. Well, to that point, Mar Mar Mario and Jay, you were both there. Because uh, I've been to conferences where you're right. It's a lot of friction, a lot of mm, mine's better than yours kind of conversations. Yeah. To what do you attribute, Jay and Mari, or, or, or Pete for that matter, that your this particular conference what's different about it that promoted that's that sense of com of, of commonality of purpose i'd say confidence right okay i, I think um 
Yeah, I don't want to get too psychology here, um, but I, I I think confidence. Well, you're you're the best really, one. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, you you have to be really careful about of analyzing course. your colleagues. Blah blah blah. You know, um, you know, the, there's there's the ego. E- ego is a is is dangerous. Confidence is not. You know, so if we can kick out the ego, bring in the confidence, um, and the, the the willingness and the desire to share. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on any of that at the conference. Kind of what the, the discussion that we had was it just so happened that um, Dr. Thatcher put a post up on LinkedIn regarding yeah. iMedisync. Yeah. And, you know, iMedisync is trying to break some ground and, yeah. you know, help grow the pie. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Dr. Thatcher was being defensive or nitpicking or whatever, but what it, from a layman, which is me, I'm looking at him like I'm confused. I don't know. Is is Thatcher right? Is I medicine right? And that doesn't thank help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See, this is the problem. Yeah. We're creating confusion yep. as opposed to question. Yep. Okay. And I want to hear questions because questions uh beget answers. Confusion uh, begets, I would say, ego, you know, ego sword fights, right? I, I mean, one of the things everybody here knows, it's no secret, I am pro, pro, pro clinical database, clinical database. Clinical. But, you know, I, I very, very much see the place for normative. I am not anti-normative. I just find in, in my practice, uh, in the budget uh, that that clients have, you know, your standard client, not your super super wealthy client, clinical takes me all the way and takes the client all the way. But I am anything but anti normative. Okay, I would love to see um, treatment that is based upon uh, normative. Um, uh, databases and equipment that can come down a little bit in cost right? Uh, I'm digressing, apologies. Um, but all I'm saying is uh, we've got to get rid of the conflict and get into the uh, the questioning, right? And point, there's nothing wrong with pointed questioning. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've witnessed me do it here. It's like, you know. Yeah. Well, I have to say, uh, if I think brain is doing it so wrong, why are Montreal Neurological, which is, uh, it, it's one of the prime neurological research uh, uh, facilities in the world. And they were there with Rasmussen and Penfield at the very beginning where they uh, set up the 1020 system and everything. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the brain surgeries where they stimulated the brain to find out what was present where, you know, in the brain. I mean, re- really major, major facility. Um, and Harvard, uh, at uh, Harvard Medical, uh, they're, they're doing research with them. They've got uh, the in, in Korea uh, their uh, development of their discriminant between dementia and mild cognitive impairment uh, was developed in major uh, major government hospitals, and uh, this isn't a small n. Uh, they split the population and validated their studies on independent sample populations. So. That you know they're they're doing the science and doing it right, and uh, <laughs> sniping at them is not terribly productive. And quite honestly, their techniques are derived from Schwartz computational neuroscience's best uh, 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 cognitive neuroscience, the the, the uh, uh, neuroinformatics uh, group, basically. So, you know, uh, e.g. Uh, uh, doesn't have a ground truth. Uh, uh, if you stick a triangle in an MRI, you get a triangle out. In an EEG, if you change the filters, you change the montage. You know, so there's always arguments. It, it's inherent that we're going to have arguments. But th- they shouldn't be um, nasty competitive. They should be uh, trying to uh, drill down on a, a scientific point. And uh, I don't think that that was what was happening. Well, you know, factor in there's money at stake in all of these conversations and that that pollutes the conversation. I'm sitting here uh, listening to to what you're saying, Jay and and Mari and and Pete, you know, I think you resonate with hopefully what I'm about to say. The mom who just tuned in. (laughs) 
what is she thinking about this conversation? And conversely, it feels like neuro neurotherapy, neurofeedback, quantitative uh, electroencephalography is being held in an odd way to, in my view, to a different level of scrutiny than anything else. You wouldn't ask your psychotherapist, well, why are you picking DBT over you know some other form of therapy for me? You wouldn't ask the question. You would have the faith that your therapist knows your cognitive space well enough to understand how to get the truth for you. So your your physician, you know, on how they analyze your, you know, uh, uh, your, your uh, blood sample. Yep. You're not going to ask them a question about what lab did you send it to or who's doing the, you know, the, the, the titration analysis, blah, blah, blah. You're not even going to ask those questions. Why are we asked those questions? Thank you so much for bringing that up, John. And I think, I think there are two points to this. I want to start with something positive. Um, and uh, with apologies to Martin and Dirk, I don't remember who, uh, which of our two, um, uh, presenters mentioned this, but they did mention in terms of how pharmaceutical companies are grossly de-investing um, in a lot in the production of a lot of medications for standard anxiety, depression, et cetera, because they're seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, that there's not enough money in it anymore. Okay. Right. So that is actually something really positive because I think the biggest um, cog in our wheel was the whole notion of the double blind, okay, which when you are training biology, you can't trick biology. It's the whole exactly. purpose we're training. About. Anyways, I'm not going to go down that path unless people really want me to. Well, no, no, no. Do I, 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 just for a moment, I, I wish you would, because again, mom and dad is listening, you know, for their okay, child so, and they don't understand what you're talking, perhaps okay. don't understand what you're talking about. So to all the parents out there, the whole concept of working with the EEG is training functional biology. Okay. And if you are successful in training functional biology, you are at some level aware of it. So what we're playing with is that awareness. And if you try and do a double blind uh, study, you're essentially defeating the whole purpose of the training. Okay, because you're trying to uh, trick. So that's where we go into uh, the, the notion of you have to train something. Um, and I talk about in pharmaceutical double blinds, the concept you're, you're, you're they're talking about training the concept of nothing. Um, and when we're working with functional biology, um, we always have to be training something. So it's something versus um, the the actual EEG, the actual alpha wave or the theta wave or the beta wave or what have you. Um, and that was one of my issues. I think, you know, I don't know, Jay, whether you want, uh, sorry, Pete, you want to put up my paper again, but that's one of the things I talk about in the studies that supposedly fail. They don't fail. What they're saying is um, uh, that the placebo is equal to it's not placebo because right. placebo is a belief or nothing. Actually uh, training EMG or movement, okay? Movement is a dependent variable in a lot of ADHD, okay? Um, and in other conditions, it can be an indent, independent variable, okay? So this whole concept of the, you know, the, the uh, pharmaceutical double blind is absolutely invalid. Yep. Now, one of the things I have, okay, you know, I'm going a bit against my word in terms of, I really criticize my colleagues who, who uh, criticize the pharmaceutical model without understanding it though. Okay, so I think that's the key one that we, you know, we all have to know why uh, we're against the pharmaceutical mo model and that loops into the money. Okay, I think one of the reasons why uh, MediiSync is challenging is because they have major, major money behind them. I think there's a fear there in terms of the little moms and pops. My clinic is a little moms and pops. I mean, we can say we're a boutique. Yeah, we're a boutique, but we're small, right? Um, and there are a lot of, you know, are we going to be taken over by big corporations again and, and, and lose that footing? And of course, the larger conversations, what happens when there's big money involved so one of the things that um, mark times talk showed is that uh, if you use 
biomarkers uh, to assist in your clinical decision making uh, that you can actually select uh, medication much more uh, efficaciously. And he, he has a, a large, large studies, thousands of people in the studies, and um, his, uh, his thesis is, uh, again, uh, going into, uh, into publication. Uh, a, a lot of the pieces of it have already been published. Um, and uh, essentially, uh, the, the drug companies can use a biomarker to target a product. Let, let's say today, Mari, you and I whipped up a batch of drugs in the tub, you know, like the old bathtub gin. And uh, we, 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 we stirred it up, and when we were done, this would fix 20% of the autism kids absolutely 100% fine. Well, this is a fabulous drug. But how could we show it was any good at all since 80% of the people wouldn't respond to it? But if we can look at their brain and say, oh, this one's got that little funny wiggle, uh, it'll respond to this. We now have a drug targeting mechanism that we can now show the 100% efficacy. And now we sell the drug to, I don't know, what's the market of autistic, you know, 20% of the autism population would be a gigantic chunk. Yeah. So the biomarker approach was uh, seen as a, a strategic uh, asset. Uh, if you had uh, a phenotype or a biomarker knowledge, uh, you could develop drugs that were targeting neuropsychiatric conditions and actually show efficacy. So in full transparency, Jay, the first time I forget the gentleman's name, gentleman's name, I know it was in Italy, it was either Venice, or it was one of the, uh, the Italian um, meetings. Um, and I believe he was a psychiatrist. And he was the first one who talked about using EEG to prescribe. And I don't mind sharing at that point, my heart stopped, I felt extremely threatened. It's like, Oh no, we're just going to become a tool of the pharmaceutical company. I've since relaxed. Um, and I think, you know, I want to support it, but I think there's going to be another bifurcation yeah. here. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be individuals who definitely use this integrated with, with pharmaceutical, take away that idiotic trial and error, which for whatever reason is accepted in no, no other let's put on a pair of shoes that's too small and see if your foot will adjust no you know um but so i think a lot of individuals are, are going to have a, a choice to make whether they want to really work with functional biology okay and train in a semi-permanent way the changes that they want in terms of anxiety reduction attention augmentation etc or uh, whether they want to blend with the, you know, pharmaceutical and yeah. try and get this purely through the chemical channels. Yeah. And, and, and that's fair. That's a choice. I mean, I know what side I very, very firmly stand on, but yeah. that's, that's potentially, you know, informed choice is good choice. Neurons can be controlled by a ligand gated ion channel, which is a pharmaceutical lock and key uh, to, to that ion channel or a voltage-gated ion channel. And that you can also use both. And, uh, you know, I depend on a day-to-day-to-day -to -day -to -day basis on medication to stay alive. I'm, I mean, I, uh, it's not better living through chemistry. I'm just plain living through chemistry. This is, um, uh, you know, he heavy-duty steroids and stuff. So uh, I have nothing against meds. And, and in some clinical cases, uh, I, I strongly suggest that the combination of both of them to start with yeah. and then the medication titrated down yeah. once we get the system under control yeah. and in epilepsy as an example uh, as soon as you stop the discharges from happening the network that supports the discharge starts to disassemble mm -hmm. and uh, uh, that's what we're looking for is, this, is the network disassembling uh, epilepsy is not a problem of a focus it's a problem of a network so you can't really effectively cut out a focus uh, without damaging the brain first of all and and secondarily 
that the likelihood of you taking care of the entire network with one hub, mm, you know, the success rate of brain surgery for epilepsy is, well, uh, if you're really that desperate, uh, 50% success rate sounds okay. Mm. But if you're going to cut off a, a part of my temporal lobe and I, I only have a half a chance and in, in your judgment of success, if my seizures go down by half, that's success. Well, instead of 200 a day, I'm having 100 a day. Right. Big freaking deal. You know, I'm still unable to do anything. Right. Uh, so they're, they're, and they don't count partial seizures. In, in my work with epilepsy, I consider success seizure-free, totally, medication-free, totally. That's success. And, and we have success. So, I, you know... <clears throat> I'm uh, uh, I'm happy to stack our work up against traditional neuroscience work any day. Our outcomes, I think, are superior, not inferior. And uh, all we need is an open-minded skeptic, which is the scientific method. Yeah. You, know, the, uh, you, you create a null hypothesis. How skeptical is that? You know, um, Jay, Jay Murray, when I was working the crowd, you know, having a, a, a suds, one of the things that came up was TMS and they don't, they haven't gone through the type of, I don't want to say scrutiny or going through the weeds of um, what the yeah. neurofeedback practitioners are going through, you know, the infighting, because everybody should make a buck. And what came up was the cost of the equipment because, yeah. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> Murray, you were you were you were there hearing that. What what, what yeah. was your take? Because what I what 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 I was hearing again as I was, you know, observing with my on air sign walking around the crowd was that uh, the barrier to entry for neurofeedback and the amplifiers the cost is lower, so you it, it's easier to get into. You have more people. Oh, topic. careful, careful, careful. Um, careful what? Uh, you know, when we get into the discussion, well. I'm just telling what you what I, heard. what I was potentially hearing. Um, allegedly? You want to say allegedly? What I was allegedly hearing. Um, okay. Yeah, no, and, 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 and this is where some bells started to go off, is um, that people are choosing their own equipment based on affordability, which implies that you're uh, using lesser uh, equipment. And that that is something that I will get my sword out about, okay? Uh, in terms of more expensive is definitely not necessarily better. But there are some treatments currently that are only available with expensive, very expensive models, okay? But I think we wanna be really, really careful here about you know, getting in, in, in camps and um, deprecating individuals uh, saying they're choosing method B because they don't have the money and B is inferior. That That's not the case. So uh, that's not what T I heard. T TMS devices uh, range in price from uh, the Neurostar about $250,000. And then you have a per use fee that can mount up to thousands of dollars a month if you have a busy clinic. Uh, Brainsway, uh, another multiple hundred thousand dollar device. Um, there's MagStim, MagVenture. There, they, they'll say that it's down in the eighty, but by the time you get what you need, you're over a little over a hundred thousand dollars. And those are the less expensive devices. I was on the planning committee for the TMS Society for five years. I've got a fairly fairly good insight into what's going on there. Um, the, uh, imagine that. They don't do EEG to guide them. They may do an, an MRI or a functional MRI to find a spot in the brain that they're going to stimulate. And luckily for them, Martin Arns found a spot that when it's the right spot, you get a cardiac deceleration. So there's a biobehavioral marker other than just making you wiggle your fingers if they find your motor strip. Yeah. That traditionally, they found the motor strip and they measured forward five centimeters. Well, sometimes that was enough. Sometimes it wasn't enough. A big head, small head, you know. Um, Harvard, the third year of the clinical TMS society, discovered that the size of the head mattered. Ooh, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and you should do proportional measurements like EEG has done 
since the beginning. My, my apologies. My uh, uh, my assistant is at the front door uh, barking, and we've got a chimney cleaner person coming today. So it's just our co-host. He's other <laughs> otherwise involved hassling the the, the chimney guy. Um, uh, but the 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 TMS world does not do EG guidance at all. And uh, they, they assume if you have depression, that's a DSM characterization, uh, that they're going to point it left frontally and stimulate at 10 hertz or faster. Well, some people don't have that pattern. You know, Martine Arns showed in, in uh, 3,000 something patients uh, overall in depression, it isn't left frontal alpha. Uh, there's a subset of women that have, uh, have frontal asymmetry, but across the general population is not the case. So, you know, they, they pointed here and they have about 40% success. Now, what, what, what kind of success is that? Measured by, <laughs> me, measured by, measured by the patient, patient response. Yeah. Yeah. yeah re, uh, 40% remission. Uh, you get higher rates of response, but there's no remission. You know, you get uh, change during uh, during treatment, but afterwards it doesn't work. And it's a treatment. And like a chiropractor treatment, you probably have to go back and be touched up on rare occasion. It doesn't, it doesn't last last. Um, anyway, uh, there's lots of different types of stimulation. You can stimulate at different frequencies to inhibit or excite. Um, they have a, what's called a theta burst stimulation, which has very fast stimulation done uh, in a pattern of six of them in a second, trying to mimic or match somewhat the brain's uh, function frontally. You, there's a, a theta with gamma nested in it. I mean, they're, they're trying to map, match the brain's function a bit. And um, uh, so that uh, TMS is still a treatment. You end up with no skill. You end up with an effect. Yeah. Right. And neurofeedback is a training, and you end up with a skill, skill. Yeah. and you you walk away with a skill that you have. It can't the the treatment. You know, oh man, I had this fabulous massage. My shoulder feels so good. You know, well, I'm gonna tweak that shoulder again because you know I yeah I want to tore the rotator you. cuff, and I you know it's but it, it, if you actually have a a, a fix with neurofeedback, you don't end up having to go back again and again and again for having your brain zapped another yeah, few I times. I really want to hound home uh, that point. Jay, you're so brilliant. You move points very quickly, but I really want to uh, highlight that. Um, it, it's a, a no-skill effect um, versus training the brain so you can essentially remind the brain hey that's the way i did it so i mean let's all be transparent people do come back for tune-ups okay um versus needing the full disruption of the pattern because that same pattern um re can recreate itself or reconstruct itself versus with straightforward neuro working with eeg you're training a new pattern and sometimes the brain needs reminding or reinforcing of that pattern yeah. well this is something i mentioned i think in my email about quick fixes you know culturally we want a quick fix so we go to a we go to our doctor we say you know i'm a 38 year old woman i got two kids i got postpartum depression what can you do for me the doctor goes tms because we've got this machine and we can hook you up and you know in a couple of a couple of sessions you're going to feel a lot better true and, and point is to your point both of yours. Um, what we're in the business of is, you know, I, I use the metaphor of the fish. You know, you can give a man a fish or you can teach the man how to fish. We're in the business of teaching people how to fish. That's the difference. We're not just giving them a, a short-term solution that feeds them for a day. We're giving them a lifetime solution that allows them to conduct their lives appropriately. So that, that's that skill component is so on target and it's what people need to know. But what do we say to the postpartum depressed mom who's listening right now? <laughs> Can she spend three months with us learning how to get her brain to conduct itself in a hopefully depression free state? That's that's clearly what we offer. And how do we tell her that other solution that medication is going to make you feel good? 
you know, for a few weeks, whatever, got some side effects, but yes, they work. But the end goal, that's where I wanted to circle back to the, to the uh, um, pharmaceutical recommendations based on EEG. That's like a bridge guys. You know, I, mean, well, I know you know, you know, I this. love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. You, you, you all know this, but folks listening, that's a bridge comment in my view. Yeah. We can help you determine, help your psychiatrist determine right today, what's the best SSRI for this particular person. And then you can take your SSRI, get out of the ditch that you drove yourself into and get the training to not have you go back in the ditch anymore and thereby get rid of the drug that you have to take for some period of time so that you don't become suicidal or whatever. Yeah. Those, yeah. those drastic... I really want to ride that pony. Yes. Um, and, and one of the things that came up that I was so happy about uh, at the summit was we started to talk about sex. Okay. I, I, I really want to be careful about gender and identity. Oh, That's okay. not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, differentiation based on sex. So probably chromosomes at this point. Um, yeah, no, but uh, you know, in terms of uh, I, I would say not, Maltreatment is a really difficult uh, word or, or, or a strong accusation, but in terms of inattention um, uh, to uh, females, biological uh, females, uh, in terms of the risk factor, um, and here I am putting my judgment hat on, in terms of uh, the medications that females are automatically put on at certain um Again, I don't want to overuse crisis, but they, they can be crisis, like postpartum. Um, some some females in perimenopause, there's another mm -hmm. big hormonal change in surge, mm -hmm. and they get on meds and never freaking yeah. get off. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, you know, one of the side effects might be gone, okay? But then there are these whole other slew of things uh, that, that females, biological females are dealing with. Um, so yes, there is a purpose to the bridging. I get it. I'm not anti-pharma. Um, but uh, in terms of EEG and the ability now, first of all, we can differentiate. And that I help, I really thank our speakers for, for going there and saying, this is the case with biological females. You know, we're, we're actually studying this. Uh, to be able to to help um, to disrupt disrupted cycles um, and, and really help people yeah. uh, along the natural uh, progression of, of, of birthing, of motherhood, of perimenopause, menopause, etc., uh, <clears throat> without making uh, being female an illness that yeah. needs to be medicated. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the major changes that the Korean database has brought. Uh, yeah. They did the 10 years of data collection to yeah. collect separate male and female databases and show the difference. And the, the HBI database in Europe uh, uh, collected a lot more data so that they could split theirs male and female. Because mm -hmm. you can't, if you have a thousand people in a database and that that characterizes each of the age ranges. You can't cut that in half and have a 500 person database. It doesn't have enough people in each of the age ranges. So you, you, you've got to collect more. You can't just chop a database in half and call the male and female separate and, and, and have that as your norms. That's just not, you know, you don't have enough uh, uh, power at that point. So um, uh, the ability now to have uh, male female differences identified uh, ends up being a big deal and we know that the uh, females over 45 have a lot more gamma and, and high beta than males males go kind of electrocerebral silent um, in the same age range and to have such a dichotomy uh, and if you combine them what do you have you know, uh, the males don't want to be compared to a bunch of beta there and, and gamma that they don't really have. They're going to be insufficient. And the females don't want to end up being uh, uh, called excessive. excessive. Um, you, you, you want to compare to, you know, we have a eunuch database. If you combine them, right. you know, what, what kind of database is that? Right. So uh, modern uh, research has to have male and female done. You can't do a study on something with just men now. Uh, the NIH won't fund a, 
a study that doesn't account for uh, for uh, uh, sex. Jay, so, can I put you on the spot? If you got a database out there, that, do I have a freaking choice? <laughs> you always you got a choice. Love it, Jay. You love it. So this bickering that's going around, it if you have a database that doesn't separate male and female, is that an inferior database? Well, it it doesn't it doesn't match modern standards. I'll say that, and um, <laughs> and. and uh, uh, let, let's say you're an NIH researcher and you want to do research and you're going to have to have male and female studies. And if you've got a database that doesn't have them differentiated, how can you use it? You know, I mean, it I'm just going to put this in the positive. It's an archaic, an archaic ter, uh, uh, yeah. tool. Yeah, it's about bloody time. You know, um, you know, the whole notion we don't unisex clothing um, never fits women. Women end up wearing male clothing and we call it unisex, right? Um, so I think it's the same type of thing, um, you know, in terms of a, a definitely pharmaceutical, um, but I'd say the the positive in terms of um, our archaic system is that at least it's a blend. So I think we were far ahead of the pharmaceutical uh, companies and the pharmaceutical research. Um, but what I really love is we're, we're evolving faster. Uh, and I would say those of us with non-sex um, uh, discriminant, again, I'm not talking gender for anybody who's getting freaky here. I'm talking about um, sex. Um, you know, we have to catch up and we and we are catching up. So yeah, let's just, in, instead of the fighting, it's just, okay, let's let's update our, our databases. Yeah. How, how do you update it, Jay? And, and, and you, you also have data. to realize that, that there are people investigating gender with these sex differentiated databases, oh, yeah. which yeah. assist, you know. Uh, um, it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's it, it's and the the Koreans were very helpful uh, in the first study of that because they had the only database that could have been helpful on that topic. And um, uh, so there, there's there's data being generated, and uh, uh, so uh, we we won't have to worry about uh, uh, the, the term sex being misinterpreted for gender. Or vice versa, in some fashion. Well, and, I have to because it, it's so political now. We have yeah. to take away the politics, right? Yeah. Um, but the databases are are starting to address gender as well as as, as sex. So, um, yeah. Okay, uh, hold on. The, all the nor all these normative. It's all about data, you know. So okay, all these normative databases that are out there that haven't said male female. Are there identifiers available to go back to the database and correct it, or do you have to do all new scans to put in there? Well, you'd end up having to expand the database uh, numbers. Uh, if, let's let's say between uh, age fifteen and twenty-five, you've got uh, seventy people. Well, if you break that down to only thirty people, uh, and you know, thirty in one group, forty in another. There aren't really enough to characterize that age range anymore. So, um, you know, you, you, you've got to add to the database norms in order to populate it with enough males and females across each of the age ranges for you to end up characterizing. You know, to, to characterize a group, you can't really characterize a group with less than 20, 30 people. So um, if, if you split male and female and there's only 10 female in an age range, you're really not characterizing them adequately. And, and the other thing is, you know, those of us that have been in practice for many, many years, you know, our experience is telling us. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're working with a normative and clinical uh, databases that are not sex discriminant, but we're using our clinical knowledge. So, I don't want to bash. Uh, people who are using those databases, uh, who have experience and are interjecting it, but uh, for any newbie um, and for anybody who's still building on a database or constructing a database, you know, the, the message is out. We, we, we yeah. have to separate and differentiate. Yeah. yeah. Well, what and, is and the so frequency range the database covers is something that should be looked at as well. I mean, the uh, stopping at 25 hertz as where John did or 30 as, as Thatcher has eliminates the ability to get norms at 40 hertz yeah. and yeah. and 
at this point, there are amps that have collect, been databases collected on that go to 150 hertz. So gamma two at 80 to 100 could be looked at. Ripples at 120, 100, uh, 150 could be looked at. And th those are important for cognitive function and consciousness. So, you know, the, if, if you're going to bother doing a database, um, at least have a modern amplifier uh, in, instead of something from the 70s. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a 56 Chevy was a perfectly good car, but, you know, if you had one that was new driving at coast to coast, you'd end up having to do some uh, wrenching between the West Coast and the East Coast because that's the engineering. And you, you can buy a modern car and, and drive it coast to coast without any real you know, difficulties at, at this point. The, I mean, we're not trying the, to bash, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just trying to understand yeah. the people that – is there an argument that if you have a database that you built up and you've been using – is there an argument to say that it doesn't matter if it's male or female? Is that what somebody would be saying? Uh, at the, we know it matters. So well, no, I know, but would this person it doesn't matter what do somebody it. says? It matters, you know. So now you need clinical knowledge to supplement, okay? Because yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back and say, like the the pharmaceutical claims unisex when it's really all male. The, the EEG community uh, claims unisex and, it, and it's, it's a merge. It doesn't quite fit the male and it doesn't quite fit the female, but each clinician is essentially, if we use the seamstress model, each, you know, we, 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 we tailor from the unisex, unisex shift that we, we have. That's the analogy I'm gonna run with, but you need clinical knowledge now uh, to differentiate um, and to assist your client. Um, and I would say I'm, I'm overjoyed, uh, first of all, now that we're aware of this, we're completely bashing the pharmaceutical one because that's just wrong. It's biased, it's sexist. I could go on and on and on. And, and we were a, just a little bit too fluidy neutral, okay? New generation, ah, here I go. But the new generation of equipment producers, the new generation of practitioners, are on this and I'm really, really grateful. Um, and I think those of us who have been doing this for a while are gonna just slowly slide in um, as the uh, equipment and the money to purchase it um, becomes available. But Jay, I don't know whether you agree, um, please uh, disagree, John as well. I'd say those of us who have been uh, dancing in the dendrites, I, I'm taking that from- um, David. David, yeah, uh, you know, we're we're aware of this, right? And and we've been doing um, sex-based fitting um, of our our treatments. John, there's also out. there's John. also another another element. I'm just to add on to what Mari was saying about sexism. There's also ageism. Yeah, you go to the you know ask your ask your pharmaceutical rep how many studies they've done on the you know of the drug that you're about to give your 12 year old. Yeah, you're yeah. going to be shocked at the scarcity. Yeah. These are these are drugs designed around adults that are just assuming children are small versions of adults. It's facility. This was being cheap. This was because they they were on the university campuses and they didn't have to pay male university students much to get the info. Okay? Right. They cheaped out. Right. Yeah. And just and again, for the casual listener, ah. this conversation, I think, points to how forward thinking and rigorous this particular field is compared to. I can't think of anybody else, to be honest with you. Yeah. Nuclear physics. I mean, I'm not sure who, who's for the mom and pops. Then I'll just clarify what I what I said out there. Um, majority of pharmaceutical studies are they recruit participants from uh, universities um, and they eliminate or in past they eliminated females because they didn't want to deal uh, with the the monthly cycle and how that might affect the men. So essentially most pharmaceuticals that are currently on the market have been tested almost exclusively as an exclude excluding everybody else yep. on males from 18 to 25. John, here's here here's where I was going with it, and I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I'm not trying to bash anybody. 
what I'm hearing is you have what people... answer do you want, Pete? Just tell us the answer. No, we'll but <laughs> you you have these look, you don't need look, you talk clinically speaking, you don't need a degree to do this. There's people that don't have degrees out there. There's people out there that are going to people that don't have degrees that do this. And what I'm hearing is if you I'm gonna to... interrupt. There's Jay. That, that, oh. This is actually predicting medications based on the EEG phenotypes and biomarkers. And this is one I published in 2014. Uh, uh, Martine uh, has uh, advanced uh, the, the, uh, the, the use of EEG to predict uh, medication. Everybody thinks an SSRI is an SSRI is an SSRI, but uh, if you have a slow focus or epileptiform discharge in your EEG, there's only one SSRI that still has efficacy, and that's Zoloft, uh, which has a bit of a different chemical twist to it with dopamine, not just serotonin. Um, so the, you know, the the specificity of of what to give is 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 out there, and uh, I, I would suggest that um, uh, a, it's an important thing to look at uh, uh, the EEG as. If you're a cardiologist and people came to you complaining of chest pain and you sent them all for angioplasty, half of them had indigestion. Right. So, you know, you you can't base the symptom, uh, uh, you can't base your treatment on a symptom. The symptom should tell you what to test. The test should guide your treatment. Right. And uh, what we have for guiding treatments of psychological and psychiatric is the EEG and ERP. Those tests give insight into brain function that help guide the choices. And goodness knows it's just a freaking crapshoot based on behavior. Yeah. And the, the, the DSM agreed that they weren't valid. There's no predictive validity. And, uh, uh, what we're using is the EEG to get our predictive validity. And um, uh, the, uh, the, this paper, I think, is just one of them. But uh, I would urge you to actually look to the literature. You'll find that the EEG is fairly efficient at differentiating between different drug classes um, uh, for, for treatment. Anyway. Uh, yeah. This should, this should be standard issue in every psychiatric office and every person seeking psychiatric or psychological care should know about this. Yeah. This is The reason the, I did it is because I got, I, I, to, I got to put this headline in. Grandma was right. So <laughs> she said, don't dive into the water unless you know what's into the surface. Exactly. And again, for, for, for people who don't know, you know, that Jay's, that Jay's work here, this is, you know, to what you said, 2014. You're resting. You, you you reached back into history with Suffin and Emery, who did work on this in the 90s. This yeah. is not a new concept for people who deal in EEG that we understand yeah. the connection between EEG performance and medications. This is this is common knowledge. The fact that your psychiatrist doesn't know about it, that's on them. Yeah. 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 The difficulty with the Suffin and Emery model is that you have to be medication free right. in order to do the testing. And right. let's say you've been treated with an SSRI. It could sometimes be a month to three months to have it washed out so you can get a clean EEG. Yeah. And you're, you're hanging there with no treatment for a month to three months, 90 feeling, days. With feeling no horrible. We, just, we, we work stochastically, right? You know, we take people in the state that they arrive in, right. discuss with them where yeah. they want to go and, let, let, and last, how they want to get there. Last yeah. question to the state. Here's a statement and just respond, Pete, yes or no. If you're training against an, a normative database that doesn't include age and, and gender, it's not as efficient as training against one that does do that. Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Very good. I can see why people are upset. Yeah, <laughs> he said that. Nobody else. But but it's an evolution. Let's <laughs> yeah. hop on the evolution train. Yeah, right? yeah. But if you, you know your stuff, yeah. Uh, send yeah. send all le send all legal inquiries to Pete. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean that well, I don't I don't have an appreciation of a 1956 Chevy. You know, I mean they're they're still a fabulous car right. uh, for what they were in their era, uh, but. 
you just don't use them on the on the track nowadays. To run uh, with know? the analogy, yeah. though, you know they are putting yeah. electrical motors in these really nice old cars. <laughs> right? So I'm looking into that. That's funny you bring that up. I have a '64 Mustang, and I'm considering going electric with it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Making it a full electric car, I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. I see this old classic Mustang, and then I open up the hood and go, "What?" <laughs> Can I make a, a fun comment to to round out here? Please. I'm 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 gonna suggest a fun challenge, Jay. Uh, with bowing to Cynthia, saying you you shouldn't grow your beard. Uh, might I suggest you you collect uh, from the grow it versus shave it. And uh, depending on how much money you collect to not grow it versus to grow it, you could have an ongoing little. Uh, <laughs> well, we let's, have your beard. <laughs> let's, let's put it. Let's put it this way: the four thousand two hundred and sixty-five dollars that were donated in total to shave it yeah. included two thousand I put down to start with to keep it. Yeah. Okay. So that I they, remember. They, 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 raised, that high. Yeah. they matched that. Uh, in the entire group, which was not that hard, um, and uh, uh, and uh, beat beat it by six hundred twenty-five dollars, which is you know the they got more than I did. My money stayed in, and uh, their money on top of it. That, that's how that's how we got. And there are two two thousand dollar awards uh, for students, and um, the the organization the organization does not have. Uh, an income model. Uh, we, uh, ev everything is basically a wash. Uh, we, uh, we we provide uh, no, good, good food in the breaks. We, we put on <laughs> a really nice primary of dinner, had good wine. Um, you know, uh, 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 I planned a three-day birthday party, basically, and I had neuroscience at the same time, which is always been my model uh, you know good good times and good science brings people in and um uh, i uh, uh it was a good birthday for 74. Uh, next year 75 goodness knows what we'll do i told you wow. 64. so yeah. cheers <laughs> that's right don mecker at the balanced brain dr marie swingle author of high minds jake uncleman the man who's read well over 500,000 brain scans and has no beer. Thank you for another. <laughs> another it's on the way back. It's on the way back. episode of the Neuro Noodle Network podcast. Take care, all. Thank you, everyone. Bye. It's been fun. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. The Neuro Noodle podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. 